Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where I help passionate entrepreneurs condense an hour of business research into 22 minutes of powerful conversations filled with knowledge, stories, and advice to help you achieve your one-year goal in 90 days. From national stages to your earbuds, I'm here to tell you that it's possible to have a profitable and sustainable business without the fear of overwhelm and uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. It's all mojo and none of the fluff. It's time to get motivated in 22 minutes. Welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And this is our brand performance podcast. Today, our featured guest, we have Brian Clayton with us. And Brian Clayton is the CEO and the co-founder of GreenPal which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine. And I think that right there is going to be a lot of fun to dig into that. And then you have over 100,000 active users that are completing transactions every day on this platform. And so, you know, we're talking technology, we're talking entrepreneurialism. So Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Marlo. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Okay. So before you started GreenPal, you founded Peachtree, which was one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. So, you know, you've grown it to over 10 million in annual revenue. I want to hear that story. Yeah, luckily I was forced into entrepreneurship by my father when I was 15 years old. He interrupted me playing Super Mario World and he said, hey, get off your butt. You got a job to do. You're going to go cut the neighbor's grass. I said, what are you talking about? I don't know how to mow a yard. He said, well, you're going to learn today. And he made me go mow the neighbor's yard. And luckily I just stuck. Something about mowing this neighbor's grass and making money just stuck with me. The first thing I did when I got done and got paid is I started making flyers. By the end of that summer, I had like 10 or 15 customers in the neighborhood who I was mowing yards for. And I just stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college, paid my way through college, cutting grass. And when I graduated college, I had to like make a decision. Was I going to go get a job or just stick with this lawn mowing business I had? And didn't really want to be a grass cutting guy my whole life, but I just stuck with the business. And over a 15 year period of time, I grew that little lawn mowing business into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, where I live, got it to over 150 employees, over $10 million in revenue. And in 2013, that company was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States in like one of the largest acquisitions in that industry in, in, a, in a, probably a decade. So growing that business just for me and a push mower to like 150 people, I learned a lot about how to build a business the hard way. And when I sold that company, I retired. I didn't have to work anymore. And I learned something about myself. I learned that, wow, business is really kind of lends the purpose to my life. It lends the reason why I get out of bed. It is the thing that causes me to do what I do and causes me to be a better person. And I got bored. And so I, I said, okay, got to start another one. And that's where the idea for Green Pal came from and been at Green Pal for eight years now. And we're an eight-year overnight success, 200,000 people using the app to get their grass cut, doing $20 million in revenue every year. Wow. I mean, and that's such an entrepreneurial story. I mean, taking something that you really didn't know what you wanted to do. So I'm curious, you were going off to college. What were you, what, what did you want to study? And then when did you have to make that decision of, I want to choose that path and, or I want to be an entrepreneur? And then why did you choose to be an entrepreneur? What was it about that? Yeah, I studied business in college. And, and so I was studying business, but I was running a business at the same time. And like there was this big disconnect. I remember being in school. It took me seven years to get through college. I just went nights and weekends and mowed yards all day. But I remember there was a big gap. It was like, I'm studying business, but I'm running a business with like five or 10 employees. I'm like, this is not how you 
learn business. And so I remember it was, it was kind of a neat lesson that I was kind of learning it and doing it. But when I graduated, it was an economic decision. I was, I was making a good living cutting yards and I was going to take a pay cut if I was going to go into the job market. And I thought, well, I don't want to go backwards. But then I remember the, the conversation in my head. I was like, do you really want to be a landscaper your whole life? And I thought, well, you know, and then I modeled out a little business plan uh, with some of the things I learned in business school. And I was thinking, well, if I, if I could get 10 or 20 employees, I could make a real business out of this. And, and, I, and I laid out a business plan. And, and when I graduated school, I just went to work as hard as I could. Uh, to make that come true. And, and I got done in like three years, what, what I thought would take 10. And so lucky for me, you know, I, I learned, I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug way early in life and I was able to get lucky and work hard and make something out of scratch. Yeah. No. And that's a true story. I mean, you just kind of let it lead you into a space and you saw the potential. And here's the thing that I love hearing too, because we work with those freedom wires, right? Those people who take the uncharted path, you literally just mapped it out on a piece of paper, right? Then it became a living, breathing document. So you said, I'm going to get to five employees, then let's get to 10 employees. And you just kind of incrementally just started to grow the business. And it really, it doesn't have to be any harder than that. Now we like to teach people critical thinking and strategy when they're growing, but really if anybody's listening to this episode and and just take the energy that you have with what you've been able to build and just the concept in which you approached it. I think right there, it's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, so then you make a connection to kind of go into the technical side. So now you're talking apps. So, you know, you're a man who's like started a business, but now you've gotten back into the game and now you've got an app platform like the Uber approach. Give us the inner work that it took to make the decision and then how did you approach it? Yeah, so I had this business, 150 people, 70, 80 trucks going out every day. Like a big part of that business was machinery. It was like hand-to-hand combat, blue-collar type of business. I had like three mechanics working for me that just turned wrenches all day. It was as a traditional blue-collar business you could get. Sold it, and I thought, okay. I saw what Uber and Airbnb and Lyft were doing for these like real-world interactions and transactions. I thought an app needs to exist for what I just spent the last 15 years of my life doing. Luckily, I was naive. And luckily, I didn't know what I didn't know. If I had known how hard it was going to be, I would have been too scared and wouldn't have done it. But I recruited two co-founders and we co-founded the company and we started GreenPal. And we didn't have the first idea or clue on how to build software. None of us knew how to code. None of us knew how to design software. Ideally, when you're starting a tech startup like this, you would have uh, what they call a hacker and a hustler. You would have somebody that can do the tech side and somebody that can just like, who's just naturally gifted at sales. We had three hustlers. And I recruited two co-founders that I knew had a chip on their shoulder and wanted to make something of themselves and knew that they were capable of great things. But none of us knew how to write software. And so... We believed what we could do was we would just pay a dev shop, a development agency to build what we thought GreenPal should be. And then we will just market it and, and, and be off and going. We don't need to know how to code. Well, we did that and it cost us $150,000 and it took them nine months to build what we thought GreenPal should be. Launched it and it was a total flop, total failure hard to use, didn't have the features it needed, didn't work. So we were confronted with the reality of it's like, okay, if we're going to be a tech startup and going to be in the technology business, we're just going to have to learn how to code. There was just no other way around it. And we got enough evidence out of that first version in terms of people using it. 
we met with everybody that tried it out and tried to like figure out, okay, well, what did it do that you wanted it to do? And where did it let you down? And what do you wish it would do? And we had enough evidence, enough validation to say, okay, let's just keep going forward. Let's work on ourselves while we're working on the business. My co-founder went to a coding boot camp, and I poured over every online class I could get my hands on to learn front-end coding. And over about a three-year period of time, we, we, we were able to rebuild the whole project and learn how to code while we were doing it. So it was a slow start because we were working on ourselves while working on the business. And it was just what was required. It was kind of the entry to the game. Okay, so Brian, the thing that I'm hearing right there, and this is really unique to have the success that you've had, we always want to put people in their skill set and their genius zone. And you did polar opposite of that. You said, I'm going to be a coder. When in essence, that wasn't a skill set that any of you guys had. And so you paid a high six figure to get out there to solve a problem. It flopped. I see that all the time, right? We think somebody else has the ability to solve our problem. But you took the initiative to say, I'm going to figure this out. And we are actually going to be in control of it. So take me into that mindset as you're hearing me describe that for you, Brian. How did you get there? Because I think right there is a really key element to the success that you're having today. It was a learning experience about myself and, and for my co-founders as well. What I came to understand about myself was that I'm always going to be working as hard as I can on my best idea. And that's just the default. Like, I'm not going to be like not doing anything. I'm not going to be like not working on a project. So no matter what, I'm working on my best idea. Luckily, I'm not terribly creative. GreenPal was and is the best idea I've got. And so that was like the thing. It was like failure was not an option because you're just going to keep working on this thing. And for my two co-founders, it was kind of like a burn the boats type of situation. You know, like the old fable of the general that takes his armada to war. And, and as his troops are storming the beaches in the harbor, he's literally setting the boats on fire. And so the idea is his troops will look back. They'll see the boats on fire. They know that they have to win. They have to be victorious or else they'll die. There is no retreat. And that's kind of like how it was for us. Uh, these, two, these two guys I started the business with had really good jobs at Dell Computer, and they quit those, and there, and there was no going back. So there was no, like, getting rehired. And so it was just, hey, the only way to move is forward. That's the only way we're going to win. And so we just did what we had to do. The other thing, I'm a big fan of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. And one of the things he talks about in that book is, you know, you've got this circle of concern, which is all the stuff that you're worried about. It's like, oh, we don't have enough customers. We don't have enough revenue. There's these big things happening in the world right now, the whatever. And it's like, none of these things really you can do anything about. But then in the middle of this circle, you've got your circle of influence, which is a little circle. And it's what you can actually do in that circle to move the ball forward. And so for us, it's like, okay, well, we have the circle of influence. What can we do? Well, we can learn how to code. We can talk to customers. We can read every blog post we can find and get our hands on about product design. You know, one thing I did in the early years is I drove for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates. I walked dogs on Rover, on WAG. I cleaned houses on HomeJoy and Handy. Not because I needed the money, but because I wanted to see how these really like multi-million dollar venture-backed startups were crafting their products. I wanted to see how they made their interfaces and, and how they made it easy to conduct real-world commerce through a screen. And so like that was something in my circle of influence that I could do. I could sign up to walk dogs on Rover, and I guarantee you I'm going to learn something from doing that that I can apply to GreenPal. So it was just... Constantly trying to figure out, okay, what can we do this week, this month 
to close the gap from where we are and where we want to be. And it was just rinse and repeat for eight years. Fantastic. I mean, really, that is just such a lesson learned. And just the tenacity, the fortitude, the resilience, everything that went into that and the level of rejection that it sounds like you guys had to overcome. I mean, there was just a lot of failure and fault, but you just were not going to give up. And I think that right there just says a lot about Green Pals, you know, as a company. So tell us more about Green Pal, like the intricacies. If we are not familiar with it, where are you serving in the United States? What does it look like and how can we get started? Yeah, so we spent four years just in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live, trying to make it work, trying to make it, trying to figure out how to do it, how to build it, how to craft it. Now we're nationwide. We're in every major city in the United States. We have expanded over time, but we spent a long time just in our hometown. So if you need to get your grass cut, normally what you would do is you would like ask friends or family, or you would get on Craigslist or Facebook and you would leave some voicemails, you dial for dollars and Maybe you might get a quote. And how do you know that's the best quote? And with GreenPal, you just jump jump on our app. You put your address in. You get five competitive bids from lawn mowing services in your zip code. And you read reviews, hire the one you want to work with. They come out and do it. They do a good job, upload a picture of the completed job. You approve that. And if you like what you see, you can just set it up for ongoing lawn mowings for the rest of the season right on the app. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It kind of just happens. And so we handled all of that for the homeowner. And make it just like 10 times easier than normally it is. And then for the service provider, it's really why we do what we do. We really aim to give, give these hardworking folks an opportunity to make material income on top of our platform. They plug in and it's a business in a box. They All the work that they want to do, they get paid in 24 hours. Their routes handled for them. Like we materially improve their lives. And that's really a lot of fun. We've got hundreds of stories of, of micro entrepreneurs that went from like two customers to 200 in a year making you know six figures on our app. And that's a lot of fun. So in essence, I mean, you're just like a business incubator. I mean, you're bringing out what these people enjoy doing and you're just offering them a whole pool of people to do it for. And so, you know, it's kind of a no brainer for them to say yes, because you're giving them that lead generation. And that's the hardest part. Like you said, you know, the marketing, the advertising dollars, they're basically saying, let's do Green Pal. And then they have that built out. So that's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. That's really what we have set up because I was kind of solving my own problem in a way. I spent 15 years as a lawn mowing service business operator. You know, to make a living in the lawn cutting business is a really, really hard livelihood. You have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning every morning and sharpen lawnmower blades. And you've worked for three hours before you even made a dime. Like, like I have those scars. And, and really, that's the person I was trying to like materially make their life better. And that's why we do what we do. Absolutely love it. Okay. So in the space that you're now, you're probably not cutting grass anymore, I'm guessing, Brian. So where do you focus your time and your efforts right now in your business being this far into it? So yeah, when we were first starting, you know, it was 100% in the business. It was me writing code, me talking to every user, me doing outreach. My co-founder is the same. We were very much hand-cranking it. But as time has gone on, we've learned how to do these things and been able to delegate them from a position of authority, of strength. You know, when we first started, we delegated too soon. We hired at the dev shop, didn't know what the hell we were doing, pissed away 150 grand. We had to do all of this stuff, learn how to do it, then we could delegate it. Now we've got a team of about 30 people. And so my day-to-day now is is still talking to users, still talking to customers, trying to figure out where we need to focus all of our intensity and where we need to be improving the product and managing a team of designers and engineers to build out the product and then also a a growth team to help grow the product. So as time has gone on, I've been able to surround myself with people who are 
just better and more talented at these things than I ever was. And so where everybody can focus on what they're best at. And then I kind of orchestrate it and figure out where the log jams are and, and what we're, we're kind of focusing all of the, the resources on. I mean, you're the problem solver at a very, very high level. And you've been all the way at the ground floor, all the way to the top of the mountain. And that's just impressive. I mean, any entrepreneur that is, is listening to this level of performance, you know, they're just getting a lot of value based on this. So do you have any tips, pointers, or advice as we're coming into the close of this session that you can give somebody based on the experience that you've had and just the multiple areas? Is there one thing that you can leave us with today that would support somebody else's success today? Yeah, I think the way to win is to look at it like an infinite game. You're just going to be at this for a decade and to really just accept that. And, you know, looking back 20 years of growing and starting businesses and growing them, kind of like liken it to almost a video game, like Super Mario World, you got 10 levels, 12 levels, and really just try to get through one level at a time. And like level one, like the problem most people get hung up on is they never get started because they're overwhelmed and they're worried about Bowser before they ever started. And it's like, no, just get through level one. And that might be five grand a month in revenue or, or $500 a month in revenue, but just get through level one, throw up the flag and then worry about level two. And level two might be, okay, well now I got to figure out how to get to hundred K in revenue. And level three might be, I got to figure out how to hire my first employee. And level seven, eight, nine is like, okay, I got to hire an HR person and figure out like what our branding strategy is. You don't need to worry about level nine on level one. And so that's kind of my best advice. Oh, I mean, I absolutely love it. Yeah, you have to chunk it down. You have to compartmentalize it, right? You have to <laughs> set the tone of how you're going to get there. Okay, so then how much time do you spend playing Mario Brothers, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had to quit buying video game consoles about 20 years ago. I grew up on video games, as you can tell. And uh, luckily, I quit playing them like when I was about 20 or else. I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd probably be hung up on whatever the latest Call of Duty is. Or something. <laughs> oh, my God. I absolutely Because we're calling you out, Brian. We're just going to call you out because that's just, <laughs> as an audience, that's what we were here to do. Okay. So how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? What's the website? What's that look like? Yeah. The website's yourgreenpal.com. Anybody that wants to reach me, you can hit me up on LinkedIn or anybody that wants to try the app out. You can just download GreenPal in the app store or play store. Absolutely. This is just phenomenal. So you can find out more about Brian on our website at marlohiggins.com where you can add him to your circle of influence, connect to his different resources and be part of his influence. So thanks again, Brian. This was an absolute delight. Hey, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. We invite you to share this podcast with others and we thank you in advance for that partnership. So if you enjoyed this episode and it left you feeling inspired, share your biggest takeaway over on our Perform and Get Paid community Facebook page. This is where we're going to engage and respond to your questions. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach passionate entrepreneurs like you to achieve complete confidence and clarity to reach your one-year goal in 90 days. Learn how you can get more done in less time with my number one proven formula for consistency and clarity. Simply go to go.marlohiggins.com to download. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. Marlo.